0: Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. As always, great show today. We have Vikas of Wellcan Capital, a relatively new fund started in 2018, but he's already made some great investments into Front Range, Trees, Headset, a few more that we talk about. Uh, we talk a little bit about raising your first fund and the struggles there. And then once you have that fund, why co-investing with other funds in the space is so important when you're getting started. It's a great episode, guys. You're going to love it a lot. to take a quick second to tell you a pretty cool balanced advisor story. Uh, Recently a brand came to us and they wanted to make some video content and while we were doing the shoot they found out they had a really big potential meeting coming up with a big partner in just a week Uh, and they wanted to show some of the content that we were making in that meeting. Uh, So they asked us if we could turn around that content pretty quickly and happy to say that we did that and stayed on budget and way ahead of schedule. They were super happy with the result and got to play it in that that meeting. And that's what we're all about is helping our clients, helping our customers with whatever they need. Video, CFO level services, help raising capital. If you need some help with your startup, please let us know guys, balancedadvisor.com. One last thing before we jump into the show. I'm pretty bad about asking for these, but if you listen to the show all the time and you like it a lot, please write us a review in the podcast app. It really helps us on the iTunes charts. And uh, thanks in advance for doing that, guys. Really appreciate it. Let's get into the episode with Vikas of Wellcan Capital. You're going to love it. I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in. Listen up. Get acquainted. Well, Vikas, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome.
1: Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, let's get you started on an easy one. What is Welkin Capital?
1: Welkin Capital is an early-stage venture fund um, where we invest in the cannabis industry, um, mainly doing seed and Series A investing um, across the sector. Um, So we're investing in both ancillary businesses, which are business services, technology, software, equipment, data, um, anything that does not touch the plant, um, and then plant-touching businesses as well. Um, so vertically integrated license holders, as well as secondary parts of that value chain, such as lab testing, your distribution, or cloning and genetics. Um, so we really focus to find businesses um, you know, at the early stage um, where we can um, partner up with the entrepreneurs um, and help them build and scale and grow their vision.
0: Yeah, it's one of the really interesting balances I find from funds of how much ancillary versus how much plant touching. Is there a certain uh, vertical in the plant touching that appeals to you more? Or how did you sort of come to that allocation?
1: Yeah, so, you know, our portfolio skews towards the ancillary side. Um, So I would say about three quarters of our portfolio will eventually be ancillary and a quarter of plant touching. And I think, you know, part of that is. given the nature of how some of these ancillary businesses can build and scale um, with less capital, you know, they're, they're a lot more capital efficient um, than some of the plant-touching businesses, which, um, you know, given the dynamics in the industry and the lack of availability of traditional sources of financing, um, which you know, would historically be financed through debt capital, um, has been financed through equity, um, you know, requires a much more capital-intensive nature Um, for some of these plant touching businesses prior to being able to demonstrate traction um, or revenues. Um, So, you know, through, um, through that, you know, we realized that um, the ancillary side of the business would be kind of a better place for us to play. Um, But the reason we have both is, um, you know, we want the ability to create an ecosystem. And I think that's important um, where, uh, the ancillary, um, you know, the ancillary businesses can tap into the plant touching businesses in the portfolio um, and vice versa. And, you know, all of those um, you know, companies can realize synergies um, and you know find ways to either collaborate with each other or just develop new relationships. Um, and I think uh, you know, that's just a net net benefit, um, given where we are with this industry, you know, still in the beginnings and the early stages um, of its growth and development.
0: Yeah, no, totally makes sense. And sort of a similar thesis that I have. Um, let's talk a little bit about the portfolio for a second. I'm just going to run through them and maybe give me a, a one or two sentence. Uh, why What was particularly interesting about them? Start with Front Range Biosciences, which uh, a lot of people that have been on this show have participated in. What, what was uh, really interesting about that one for you?
1: Yeah, you know, I think front range um, is is very compelling given the dynamics of you know where you think this industry is going from an input product standpoint, and you know the issues regarding consistency, um, and, and they you know they really solve that and they really mitigate a lot of risk in the space, um, and I think just you know where they were relative to the competition, you know that was an example of um, you know a thesis driven investment um, with you know my understanding of what Driscolls is, you know the berry company. Um, and where front range um, and tissue culture um, as a business type was something that I thought should be valuable and should exist in this industry. Um, And they were just, you know, have been and and still are, I think, um, far ahead um, of the competition, um, which, you know, makes it, um, you know, gives them a clear advantage. Um, And, and, you know, I think the, the team there is also strong, which is, uh, I would say an underlying, you know, component um, of all the investments that we have, where we get a lot of comfort around, you know, the management team that's running the helm.
0: Got it. Yeah, one of the interesting things about that space is how many of the vertically integrated players um, are sort of doing this in-house. Uh, you know, doing their own micropropagation, doing their own genetics in-house. How much did you find that when you were sort of researching?
1: You know, I think when we when made that investment, I think um, there weren't as many, and you know, I think a lot of folks were starting from seed. And I think um, you know, there's folks who um, had experience or the understanding of what you know starting from clone and tissue culture um, actually meant. Um, you know, the issue is the reliability of where you're getting that input product from, and that's something that Front Range does a great job solving. Um, you know, I, in terms of Op, you know, operators who are doing this in house, um, you know, I, I'd heard of a few, but you, when you really dig in and, and understand the the time that's required and allocated, the the cost and the overhead, um, and the science um, that's you know that needs to be iterated on and perfected, um, you realize that um, a lot of these operators ultimately you know aren't able to you know get that that part of their business up and running and at scale um, in in a very um, operational efficient and consistent manner. Um so it, it was interesting because I actually heard um, about a handful of operators who um, tried to do it in-house um, and were were unable and were unsuccessful in doing so. Um and that just you know reinforces um, you know the the rationale behind um, you know front range's existence you know, in this industry.
0: Got it. Yeah, no, makes sense. And I found some of that uh, as well. Um, the next one on the list is Trees, a, a company that was just recently on the program. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you did Trees.
1: You know, I think Trees is a um, it's a compelling business. Um, you know, very core offering. A lot of what we think about is what's you know foundational and what's providing infrastructure. Um, you know, for the sector, given. You know, for such a long period of time, um, it's been living behind the shadows and hasn't been able to take advantage of all the advances or all the normal systems that you'd see in mature industries um, through even just the use of technology. And so, um, you know, we were a seed stage investor in trees um, and participated kind of since then um, and really thought trees was compelling because, you know, believed at that point in time, that point of sale was, um, you know, a core offering Um, amongst the other, um, you know, modules and and features that they they have um, for the space and something that could really alleviate a major pain point um, for dispensaries. And then I think the differentiation was key. You know, there had been a couple of companies um, that, um, you know, got into that vertical prior to Trees, but I think Trees is focused on um, the so-called enterprise customer, right? The customer who's doing, um, you know, Twenty, thirty, forty, fifty million dollars in top line out of a handful of locations, or you know who already have or want to scale to five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty locations, is their target demographic, and um, their target customer, as opposed to the mom and pops, um, you know, and uh, the one off license holders. And I think that was, you know, quite compelling and, and fit into our thesis as to where this industry was going to go, you know, the consolidation that we're already seeing today, um, and how being positioned with the right players, in the right customer base, um, when you offer the product that allows them to run their business in the most operationally efficient manner, um, you know, just made a lot of sense.
0: Got it. Yeah. A particularly crowded space though, POS, um, and now they've gotten into sort of the more cultivation uh, management software side, obviously not winner take all, but Sort of when you think about the future market, how much do you think they have to capture to to get a, a positive return for you?
1: Well, that's a, that's a great question, right? So I, I think when, when we had invested in trees, um, you know, or their first investment almost about a year ago, um, there weren't as many incumbents in the market, right? So there were the major players that everyone knows. I think since then, you've seen a lot of smaller point of sale companies um, pop up who, you know, in my opinion, are having trouble sort of getting as much traction as they would like because of the market share that the you know, top five or six companies have. And you know, since we've invested, I think a lot of those existing companies really had geographic, um, um, you know, uh, geographic presence in, in specific parts of the US where they really controlled certain markets. Um, you know, I'm a big believer that it's not, I, I agree with you, it's not a winner take all um, you know, type of business where there will be a, a handful of folks who have enough market share and who can sort who can coexist. Um, and, you know, we believe that trees was going to be one of them. Um, I think what they've done in California, um, the largest market you know, in the U S and, and, and it is, is so compelling because, you know, at this point, I think they've got over 25% um, of the dollar volume flows to their POS. That's being sold in legal dispensaries. Right. Um, and so that's um, from a market share standpoint, a great, um, Toehold to have as you go on, you know there are multiple states, but you know expand in other states. Um and to your point, you know now being able to offer a full stack solution um, ends up ends up allowing for um, you know, the multi-state operators who want just one piece of software to you know monitor their whole supply chain um ends up being a a, a better fit for that. Um, so I think we'll see how the industry shape uh, that sector shapes up. Um, I think you're going to see consolidation. I think you see companies. Um, you know potentially got a business that aren't able to get traction. I think customer service and word of mouth and reputation is everything in terms of how to continue to to scale and enter into new markets. Um, and I think you know if you can continue to do that, um, you can remain you know a leader in that vertical.
0: yep. Um, next one on my list is sanctuary medicinals.
1: Yes, yeah, so sanctuary Medicinals, um, a vertically integrated operator uh, in Massachusetts, um, you know started in the medical market. Um, now in the adult use market, they have the 10th adult use dispensary that opened about two weeks ago, um, you know, licensed and operational in the state of mass, um, you know, really like them just given their focus and their team that they've put together that has traditional, you know, ag and science experience. Um, they're all about constantly finding ways to bring costs down um, and realize a series of efficiencies um, in the um, at, between their cultivation processing, you know, arms. And then they've done a phenomenal job of navigating the real estate and political environment, um, in the state of Massachusetts. Um, so I, I, think there will be bearish entry because of some of those dynamics, um, and the folks who are able to position themselves, um, you know, as best in that market, um, are the ones, um, who are going to be able to succeed.
0: Got it. And when you think about sort of making that plant touching investment, how much do you discuss the rest of your portfolio? Like, are they using front range? You know, how much sort of synergy lies there?
1: That's a great question. You know, I think um, it's important to be able to talk about that and leverage that and, um, you know, make those introductions so they can have those conversations. Right. By by no means do any of the portfolio companies. Um, you know, have to work with each other. I think it's just an added benefit um, where they can get access to certain things that um, uh, just an, an easier pathway and a potentially a, um, a, a better deal, right? And so I think, um, you know, we've had the, the pleasure, um, you know, of having the the Sanctuary team, um, you know, working with and chatting with some of the other portfolio companies because I think there's a lot of synergies that they can realize, you um,
0: Got it. Um, AG Gas, which is doing something particularly cool. Tell us a little bit about that one.
1: Yeah, so that, that's actually you know quite um, an interesting sort of ag tech um, investment. Um, you know, they provide a hardware as a service um, where they microdose and time-release CO2 in outdoor and greenhouse environments, um, which is very compelling given that if CO2 is widely used in the space and generally in your environment, it's highly controlled. So a lot of operators um, flood flower rooms with CO2 um, to generate yield increases, um, and that's been you know a common practice. Uh, you know, historically, you, can, you couldn't do that in outdoor and greenhouse environments, um, you know, just because of the lack of control um, that you have over that environment and the variables that that are at play. Um, so this is a company where. As I mentioned, you know, they microdose a time-release CO2 throughout the harvest cycle, um, monitoring via software, demonstrating yield increases of 10 to 50 percent. Um, you know, have worked with major universities uh, in California on research and actually um, had the solution for you know, tomatoes, strawberries and bell peppers um, before, you know, pivoting to saying, hey, cannabis is um, just a much more a sort of higher value um, um Higher value product today, um, and so you know they've continued to scale. And, and what's nice about them is it's something that most cultivators and operators are already aware of, um, at least the folks who have had experience, um, just given you know their backgrounds with, um, you know, with the cultivation side of the business. And so it ends up being, you know, a, a, a relatively easy value proper sell um, because you know it's. Uh, it from a cost perspective it's not prohibitive and you know the upside that you get from yield increase um you know could have a major impact to your top line and both and your bottom line Mm -hmm. how much do you think
0: about i mean this is a company that's sort of outside in to the cannabis industry right how much do you think about the thesis like outside in versus something that's inside that then could work its way bigger to other industries
1: you know i think that you can do both right um i think the challenge in the inside out is um some of the stuff inside has come from you know a lot of the folks who've been a part of this industry you know for many years and so you really need to sift through more so i think management teams and just you know types of businesses that are scalable um and then see what the application truly is um you know outside the space and the biggest thing you have to think about is you know ultimately in my opinion cannabis is a commodity right so how does um, you know the challenge with a lot of these um, businesses outside the space, specifically in this vertical, for example, is just the pricing is a lot lower. So, you know, how do you mitigate that risk, and how do you think about um, what happens as the market dynamics change? Um, I find the outside-in, um, you know, compelling in the standpoint of it's a proven concept um, that has you know demonstrated traction and and probably has scaled. In you know a more well-known and mature sector, I think the challenge with that is that not everything is applicable, um, and not everything you know just fits in. Um, I think the cannabis industry is highly complex and nuanced, um, given a lot of the regulatory dynamics and, and frameworks there, and given um, you know the nature of, of access to capital and, and a variety of things. Um, you know, as this industry is, as I mentioned, live behind the shadows, so. It's not as easy as hey, you can just bring something in. I think there's got to be an element of tailored solutions or, or tailored offerings um, that really that really adapt um, to the space. Um, and I think it, it, it's vice versa as well, right? So um, it's something that uh, presents, I think, a lot of benefits, but also comes you know with their own challenges that you just have to be aware of um, as an investor. Um, because you know, as a cannabis focus investor, I think we have got um, a strong grasp of as to as, what's happening in the space, which obviously is con- constantly changing. Um, but to understand, you know, that the grasp of all those nuances, um, you know, before making investment and sort of seeing that two-year, five-year, ten-year vision of where the business can go, both in and outside the sector
0: last one is headset uh, that I wanted to talk about very exciting opportunity uh, founder that I interviewed Sai a, a couple years ago when they were just getting started um, but tell me a little bit of how that one came together and how uh, how you came across headset
1: yeah so you know uh, headset um, I think is great business um, you know I think the leader in data analytics um, both on the market level from an intelligence standpoint and then um, also you know providing insights for operators both of the, both of the the retail and the uh, um, the inventory kind of side of things. Um, you know, size a great um, a great um, leader um, of the team, and you know has been successful in the space. Um, you know, had developed a good relationship with him um, over time. Um, you know, believed in the business, believed in the team, um, and also um, you know thought it was it was something compelling given sort of where their positioning is relative to their competition. Um, you know, so, you know, had the opportunity, uh, to, you know, participate, um, and, you know, with that business, um, and, you know, have a fundamental belief that data is going to be, um, uh, data is an issue today because of the lack of transparency that exists and data is going to continue to be ever important as you're seeing, um, outside all of the, you know, outside the cannabis space in general, um, you know, access to consumer data, Um, demographic data, understanding uh, trends and both at the consumer and the market level and all that's going to be very insightful as um, this industry sort of tailors and determines how to best create products and brands, which, you know, everyone is historically or or even moving forward, very focused on. I I think um, that foundational data set um, is going to be quite valuable. Um, And that's been proven out, you know, even with just their strategic partnerships, um, you know, with uh, with Nielsen that they that they recently announced with Cowan, um, you know, I think those just uh, further, you know, cement their offering and enhance kind of their ability to get in front of as, as many people as possible
0: yeah super exciting partnerships there um really has taken off faster i think than than any of us expected um let's talk a little bit about the structure of your fund tell me a little bit how much has been raised and sort of typical check size um and how you determine that check size i suppose
1: yeah so you know look given where we focus um you know c to series a you know we're at the early stage right so i think check sizes are as um little as um, you know, 250 to as big as 2 million, right? And I think we've also got, um, you know, a strong cone best network with our LP, so where we can participate, um, you know, out, outside of um, of the fund as well, right? And so, you know, our goal is finding businesses um, where they they fit a, a series of of criteria. You know, one being strong management teams generally that have come from outside the space and leveraging their expertise. Um, you know, one, uh, another being different business models and a competitive advantage relative to competition, you know, and the third being product market fit, right? So you've got founder market fit, you've got product market fit, you need to demonstrate that this is the right team for for the business. And then, um, you know, the marketplace has been receptive to what they're providing, whether um, there are a variety of ways you can sort of gauge traction. I mean, so those are the, the compelling, um, you know, components um, that we really focus on when, Um, determining, you know, what the right type of investment is. And then from an allocation standpoint, you know, we really just think about it as what's the exposure, you know, what makes sense relative to where the company is today, whether they're raising or they're not raising um, and how can we right size that and how do we think about um, our concentration moving forward depending on what their, Goals are moving forward as well. So that's a very, I think, transparent conversation that all investors should be having with founders. Um, you know, understanding how they think about the growth of their business, understanding how they think about the capital needs of their business, and then understanding kind of what they look for in a good partner as an investor. Um, and that's a two-way street, right? But that's a conversation that I think um, we have with the companies we're investing in um, day one. So, you know, expectations are set and you generally have um a strong framework for understanding you know how things are going to develop, assuming things you know, move in the right direction in the way in the way you want them to.
0: And do you think about how much you want to follow on uh, into individual opportunities at the time of the first investment?
1: Yeah, you know we do, right? So I think um, there's certain concentration limits, um, just from a fund standpoint where I don't want to over concentrate in any one portfolio company. So you know, we're thoughtful once again about initial check size versus follow-on check size um, and, and, and what that looks like. Um, and, and it's hard because I, um, I think some you know, VC funds in the traditional space operate with a very clean-cut mandated box, um, which you know this fits in the box, and if it doesn't fit, it's not for us. Um, and I think given how early this industry is and everything that's going on and how quickly it's changing, it's hard to really create um, such a box. So it's- a little bit more of an art than a science, um, and it's, it's, it's slightly more dynamic, um, you know, being able to say this is how much you know, we're going to do initially versus later on. It's because um, just, just given how quickly things are changing and where these companies are going.
0: Tell us a little bit about raising your first fund. Uh, you know, it's thought of as a very hard thing to do as a first-time fund manager, and uh, tell us a little bit about that process for you.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, um, look, fundraising, uh, I recommend, um, after having gone through the process, um, I, I, tell everyone regardless of what they do, like have that experience once in your life, it doesn't have to be a fun, but find something to raise money for. Um, cause it's a whole set of, I think, challenges and nuances, um, that, uh, you know, people have never experienced. It really puts you outside your comfort zone. Um, and then it really forces you to understand, um, your business a lot better and how you can articulate that um, to individuals who know nothing about the, or varying degrees of information, right? So they can be on one side of the spectrum of they know nothing and they don't even know you um, to the other side of the spectrum is, you know, they know you intimately and they know the industry or the business intimately. And you're going to run into people, um, individuals, high net worth folks, family offices that fit across Um, across that spectrum. So putting yourself in the position of understanding, you know, people and their dynamics and what motivates them and how they think. Um, I think fundraising is a very illuminating process for all of that. Um, And and really, once again, like I said, um, sort of helping you um, just better craft your vision in terms of what you want to achieve. Um, You know, with that being said, uh, yeah, I think fundraising your first fund is probably, you know, the hardest thing to do. Uh, Um, it requires, um, you know, it requires people to, to, to take, um, you know, to take a leap of faith, regardless of your experience and your background, um, that you're going to be the right person to, um, you know, make the right investment decisions, um, in this space. I think the nuance here is that, um, there's just, there's a handful of folks who are, you know, in, the fun space in this industry, and it's a, as I mentioned, you know, a couple different times as it's moving rapidly, I think it requires a hundred percent dedication. Um, because you know, I think if you're cursory, you know, focused on it, focused on the industry in a cursory manner, um, I think you'll, you'll sort of lose touch with what's going on and the relationships that you require, and in all the dynamics and, and sort of the developments that are happening in the space, you know, three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, and two years from now, right? So um, I think that's why um, you know, from a fundraising standpoint, um, that makes it slightly different than saying, hey, I'm raising a software VC fund where you're competing with over you know the biggest guys in the world, and to you know hundreds of companies in the US who are, who are sort of um, executing on a similar strategy. Um, so yeah, so I think fundraising um, um, was uh, was you know is a fundamental part of the business and something that you have to do. Um I'm glad we were able to raise our first first fund and achieve and exceed our goals. Um and I think, you know, moving forward, it's how you develop a track record. I've always I've always been told the first fund's the uh, the easiest, right? And so as, as long as we've got you know a good track record, a good track record, I think um that'll speak for itself.
0: hmm Well, congratulations on getting it done. Not not an easy feat. So uh And, uh, let's talk a little bit about deal flow and due diligence. Um, I know that deals probably come from all over the place. We talked about co-investing a little bit, but, um, sort of where, where are the sources that, that you look most closely at and, and how much, um, do you rely on sort of what comes through the front door, I suppose?
1: Yeah. So I think we've been big proponents of, um, you know, of both the inbound and the outbound approach. So on the inbound side, that's, deals that come to us, right? Either through, um, you know, just decks and and opportunities that are being sent to us, you know, from um, a blind manner or or just through our relationships in the space, um, or just through, you know, you meet, I think the exposure that we continue to have, um, whether it's through, um, thought leadership, which we want to be doing more of, um, whether it's through, um, you know, speaking at conferences and just enhancing um, our awareness and exposure of kind of who we are and where we fit in the space. I think you continue to see more and more to the point where, you know, it also becomes challenging because you're seeing a lot. So you have to sift through a lot of this stuff, right? And figure out what's real from what isn't and where you want to spend your time. Um, I would say the best, um, you know, the best opportunities on the inbound and also come from folks you have good relationships and, and trust with, um, along with other investors, you know, I look at ourselves to be a, a very collaborative um, investor. I'm happy to work together on things. You know, it's not you know, we are the only source, and we need to be the only person. Um, I think there's you know a lot of value that multiple parties can provide. And um, you know, uh, I know what we know, and I also know what we don't know, right? And so I think um, from that standpoint, being able to um, to share um, deal flow and work on on deals with um, other investors in the space. Um, is also compelling from the inbound side and, and we've done a, a bunch of that and, con- and we'll continue to do that um and then there's the outbound component right so um, that's just you know proprietary sourcing thesis driven identifying companies um just being proactive um, about um, you know finding ways to to learn more about them um and, and seeing if there's an interesting opportunity there um, to uh, to participate in
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you think about sort of uh, the due diligence process, uh, one thing that I've I've sort of discovered is like leading around has a much higher hurdle in terms of due diligence and the resources required. And given that you're a relatively small team today, is it make the most sense for you to follow on or how, how do you think about that dynamic?
1: Well, I think the the key here, right, is we want to, you know, build a sustainable business, um, you know, for the long term and position ourselves, um, you know, as a value added investor. And so, you know, our preference um, is to be taking kind of um, that leader co-lead position in companies that, you know, we want to be investing in, especially moving forward. Uh, But I think there are the right opportunities where, hey, look, a good deal is a good deal. And, um, if you're in it with the right parties, then um, you know, then you you follow on as well, right? It's more of a matter of um, you know, what kind of opportunities um you find and where you you know which ones you think are compelling and and how active you want to be with the business. Um, on the due diligence side, when it comes to you know to the work, it's look, well, that's the business we're in, right? So you know, small team, big team, you you sort of you just got to figure it out. Um, and be able to do the due diligence and the execution on the legal and. And, and check all the, the boxes and the processes that, that you have to um, regardless because we're a fiduciary and we have, um, you know, we have um, capital that um, we need to speak for, right. And protect. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't view that as being a hindrance um, from, from, you know, leading or co-leading rounds. Um, you know, I think it's more of just, Hey, you gotta, you got you gotta get your due diligence done and, um, you know, we prefer to be more active, more helpful, seeking board observer board seats, um, you know, and trying to leverage our network, our relationships, and being a helpful investor, and, and being slightly more hands-on. By no means, telling folks how to run their business, but also by no means handing over a check and year from now. Um, that just doesn't seem like the right approach, especially in this space, um, given um, given how quickly things are moving
0: and tell me a little bit more about the process like okay you come across a great deal either by yourself or through a through a partner Um, and then uh, tell me a little bit about the team and, and sort of how you make that decision are there sort of experts subject matter experts that you rely on or tell me a little bit about sort of the the team process
1: yeah, so, you know, from a due diligence standpoint, I think it starts with, um, you know, kind of an initial call, um, kind of really like a 30-minute call that gives you a, a good opportunity to, to touch on all the points, um, the key points or the major points that you want to just understand at a high level, um, and that's after you sort of reviewed the materials that they provided you to see if, you know, it's compelling. And I think it interesting beyond that, you know, it's, I, I think it starts with just having additional calls and questions with um, the core management team. And I think if it you know, continues to be compelling um, um, beyond that, um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, there's a variety of things, legal, financial, you know, doing customer references, um, understanding kind of the nuances of the business model um, and, and the traction that they have to date, the defensibility around it, um, and all of those components um, to, uh, to determine um, you know, whether it continues to make sense, you know, I'm a big believer that you want to get to know as fast as possible. Um, so, you know, want to, um, you know, continue down the path un- until something, you know, becomes, um, you know, not compelling in the same respect. Um, want to, you know, have respect for for founders as well. So, want to be able to kind of initially quickly determine, hey, is it important time or is it not? Um, so, you can, you know, be respectful of of um, everyone's um, time and resources. Um, and then, you know, it also requires bringing in the right people, you know, as I mentioned earlier, and there's a lot of things that I don't know, right? And so, um, you know, I have a good grasp on a lot of what's going on in the space. But there's always people who've got subject matter expertise, um, either through our investor base, either through our advisory board, um, which we interface with. Um, and they all have kind of, you know, have a different subsector um, set of expertise from outside the space or just through people kind of who fall into that collective network um, relationships and, and folks inside and outside the industry. And it's being able to call on them and leverage them and, and you know, chat with them about things or even have them hop on calls and, um, you know, ha- allow them to take their experience and, and provide sort of their insights and their input um, and I think that's a real important part of the process. Um, you know to make sure you got the right people involved or um you know assisting with that decision making.
0: yeah, I mean, when you think about an opportunity like AG gas, for example, I mean that's a very sophisticated sort of agricultural play. How much did you know about that space? How much do you have to rely on others? I mean that that seems like a, a little bit of a daunting one to me.
1: yeah, no, that's a it requires. Um, or required, you know, for us to get up to speed very right, quickly, right, and just start understanding the nuances and the science behind all of that stuff, um, and then us finding the right people on the network, doing the right reference um, calls as well, um, whether they be customers or experts or advisors, um, or you know, IP attorneys, right? You know, obviously there's obviously a component of you know, IP protection um, with with that specific business. Um, You know, I describe it as it's just a very holistic and cohesive process, right? It's a lot, um, but at the end of the day, if you're going to have a sector focus, um, you know, broadly as opposed to sort of sub-verticals, that's par for the course, right? So you have to be able to um, get an understanding and find the right people who may have a deeper understanding to confirm um, confirm, um, you know, the um, the information and the claims um, and the science, um, you know, that's being delivered to us um, to, you know, ensure that, um, you know, there's, uh, there's comfort around what the business is doing. Um, there's also a level of, you know, it's an early stage investment. You also have to comfort, you have to have comfort and trust with the team that you're working with and their backgrounds and their experience. Um, you know, I think you've seen what happened with Theranos—it seems to be like a very you know hot topic today, right? And millions, millions and millions of dollars, you know, um, funneled into that business. Um, one of the things that we like to do is always do a site visit, whether that's to their office or if they're actually deploying something to an actual customer um, and see it, right? Touch it, feel it, see how it operates. Um, so you get a feel for kind of what it can do, and then you're sort of talking to the people who are using it and getting a on- Um, Sort of an unbiased um, opinion um, and experience about um, what it's been like working with that specific company or service or product.
0: Got it. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, So we talked about how you're largely ancillary. But as you know, there are a ton of brand opportunities out there, everything from beverages to sublinguals to all these different things. They must be tempting for you. Um, How much do you look at that? Or do you sort of say like, okay, no, we're going to be hyper focused on on sort of our thesis here, even though there is just countless opportunities that must be coming across for you?
1: yeah i I look i think it's a balance between remaining disciplined and then you know when you do find compelling opportunities being able to strike and act on them and then obviously being able to deploy capital in a um, judicious but swift manner given the pace of the industry um and so you know there's things that we say hey look probably just not a fit for us um you can quickly sort of glance and look at them and i think if it you know if there are reasons to why it sort of breaks the barrier, breaks the bowl, the mold as to what makes it a lot more compelling than you know, the other 95% of the stuff that you've seen that falls in that vertical. It's it warrant spending time on, right? So, um, you know, never, especially with such an early industry, never want to say, Hey, you know, um, just don't even show me this or don't even talk to me about it because um, you know, there's always something that you can learn in a conversation or in a deck. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it requires a sense of discipline to say, Hey, here's where I want to focus or here's where we think, these are a couple of interesting, you know, compelling verticals. Or here's where the thesis is. Or here's why we don't think, for whatever reason, this isn't, you know, this is not compelling. Um, and um, and being able to sort of, you know, stay true to that. Um, yes, because there's a lot of stuff going on, out outside. Um, you know, a lot of noise, right? Um, just you know, other deals getting done, companies doing a variety of things, and so you you sort of have to remain disciplined and focused in that manner.
0: Yep. Yep. It is, uh, it is hard to stay focused though with all those awesome things. Uh, sort of a good caveat to that is, um, is there anything that you're particularly excited about a segment going forward or something that you want to see built, uh, in the industry and and that you would want to invest in?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. Look, I am still a fundamental believer in kind of the data side of the business. I think there's a variety of ways you can focus on that. um, um, and, and find ways to, you know, uh, leverage, capture, um, you know, that very fundamental core um, you know, set of data and then the transparency that you sort of need um, to um, um, to provide for the space. And so, you know, we focus there. Right? You know, I'm a believer in the right software solutions. Just, I think technology will become just a more um, ever-present um, um, part of our lives um, and part of this industry. Um, both from a B2C and a B2C side. Um, you know, on the plant touching side, I really, you know, while it's challenging, you know, the companies are doing interesting things um, on the cloning genetics side or slightly more, you know, science focused or um, have kind of a, a specific business model that fits in that value chain that's, um, you know, creates a competitive advantage to them. I think is also compelling. And, you know, look, we haven't, we've historically not done a lot of brand investing. We probably still won't out of, out of this fund but i'm a fundamental long-term believer um, um fundamental long-term believer in brands right if you look at B&G, lvmh um ultra you know, diageo any of these companies they all have brand portfolios um you know, the question is is that can you find you know the right brand to, to back and, and get behind that's actually going to have staying power that you're not going to see recycled as, you know, if state lines come down or if, um, you know, being able to scale and build a brand becomes a lot easier. Um, and so that's something that, you know, I've got my eyes open for, but, you know, finding kind of the right nuance of the right product type and really the right brand forward team is, is um, you know, it's challenging, so. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit, just talk about you. Um, How has your relationship with cannabis changed kind of through this process? Uh, You know, did you know much about it before? And obviously you're pretty well informed today.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I had an understanding of what was going on in the space. Um, You know, I started tracking it um, when I was, you know, before you know, doing all this and starting the, own, starting the fund, um, you know, s- spent a handful of years at Oak private equity and kind of at the tail end of that, you know, had just become, you know, aware of you know, various growth industries and this was one of them. Um, when it comes to the nuance behind the history, the science, um, just the various industry dynamics, yeah, you know, not much, right? I think it's, if you're not going to spend the time digging in and constantly learning and constantly developing relationships and doing the research, um. Which, by the way, that set of information was a lot different than you know a year and a half to two years ago, um, than it is today. Um, you know, it's just challenging because then you're really just relying on sort of word of mouth and and what you read in the news, right? Um, so, you know, it's been a massive learning curve um, from that perspective. Um, I'm a I'm a big believer that um, you know if you if you put in the work and, and you have the chops to um, you know to intelligently Dissect sectors and companies. You can sort of do it across any sector. You don't have to be a subject matter expert. You can get up to speed. It obviously, requires time, and the more you see in that space, the more you know, and the more you understand, right? Um, but as, as you, or you know, as you're well aware, is you know, the, a lot of the folks who are entering the space don't necessarily have any experience with cannabis you know, beyond recreationally. Um, but you know, they're able to adapt and apply and analytically think and and criticize and sort of calculate they um, you know where the industry is going and or are you know, constantly learning, which I think is a really important thing. I think if you don't have the personality and the desire to be constantly learning and constantly having, you know, expectations or theses, you know, potentially shattered um, as the industry changes, it's, um, I think it's a challenging space um, just, to, just to be a part of.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there's the inevitable sort of ups and downs in venture. It can be uncertain at times. And if you add that to the cannabis industry, which is certainly uncertain, um, certainly uncertain. That's funny. Um, How how do you sort of balance that? You know, how do you keep your head clear? How do you sort of uh, keep moving forward and then remain stoic, I suppose?
1: Yeah, look, you know, with, with ventures, especially with early stage, there's always going to be ups and downs. Um, you know, it's it sort of it's it's part for the course, and I think that's one aspect of um, sort of remaining even keel. Um, and I think starting your own your own venture, right? Because you know, essentially, your first fund is is its own venture in itself is a whole different dynamic, um, and um, you know, the the relentlessness, um, the um, sort of you know stability at the at the mental level, and um, kind of the ability to roll with the punches, and um, you know the highs are huge highs and the lows are huge lows, and and that that volatility on a daily basis from um, an emotional standpoint and just a mental you know um, uh, standpoint of the energy that it takes, uh, I say is the most challenging, right? And to me that That comes with experience. It just comes with, you know, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And, um, um, you know, the more you're able to adapt um, and be comfortable in that environment. I don't think it's an environment for everyone, Um, you know, and and by no means is that an issue. I think it's just you have to find what what works for you and what's best for yourself. And, um, you know, that's an environment that I want to be a part of because I find it more exciting. And, um, you know, the concept of creating creating value um, is an alluring one. And so, um, you know, I think you know, it, it, it's hard. I, I would I would say it, you know as it, bluntly as hat. Um, and you know, it has its own challenges, but it requires kind of that persistence. Um, and, and on a personal level, you know, one thing I do is um, I, I meditate every day during the week, right? And like though that's a, that's been an incredible um, outlet and sort of you know, be with that and, and exercise uh, have been two um, incredible things. Um, that allow you to sort of you know decompress and, and focus your mind um, kind of on the day at hand.
0: Yeah. Meditation is a huge one for me too. And I think uh, that one goes unnoticed uh, a lot of the times. Um, this has been an awesome interview, Vika. Thank you so much for joining us. How can our audience help you? Are you hiring for anything? Are you building the team? Or um, is your chance to get whatever kind of ask in you like?
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I want to thank you guys for just, you know, providing me the opportunity to be on the podcast. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's great what you guys are doing. Um, and then, you know, for the audience, I think it's, you know, we're continuing to build our team and scale as we deploy capital. Um, um, and so, you know, I'm always happy to serve, you know, entertain and have that conversation. I think it's, you know, if you've got businesses that you think are interesting and, um, you know, right now we're, we're heavy in the, in the deployment phase, you have an understanding of what our framework is and how we think about the world and what are our core, you know, foundational values. Um, And I think if there's, you know, if you believe there's alignment, you know, there, you know, feel free to, feel free to reach out. and We'd love to chat. Awesome. Well, thanks
0: again, Vikas. It's been, it's been great. Thanks for joining us.
1: Appreciate it.